Well, 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 well. It's uh, Bob McCown. It's John Shannon. Oh, Robert, how was your weekend? Uh, brief, as they all seem to be. This, this, this work in an hour a day. Where's you out, man? <laughs> I'm not sure. I, 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 and I've never quite understood why you can't have five day weekends and two day work weeks. Like just reverse it, even periodically. I know that's supposed to be called a vacation, but we should at this point one. in our lives, we don't even have those. We should try that. <laughs> well, yeah. I think you're uh, not to uh, dwell on it, and and I don't expect you to comment, but I, I think yours was better than the Rogers family. That's all I'll say. My <laughs> what? <laughs> Your weekend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. Well, Sorry. Um, For another I, day. I didn't fight with any members of my family. For another so, day, Bob. That was good. Um, but there may be a, a, a brouhaha coming. And uh, we're going to address that uh, today. Uh, Maple Leaf Nation, if that's what you call them are in a tizzy and we should not be surprised by that this this happens on an annual basis nope. but it is now happening six games into a regular season and um the phrase off with their heads is um is recurrent and we're going to address it what is the is the panic valid should anything be done and if so what Terry Koshan of Post Media, Mike Zeisberger of NHL.com will join us and we'll talk about it after these messages. So let me begin uh, this segment of the program with a disclaimer. Uh, this is entirely Shannon's idea. No, it's the producer. Well, you have decided that the Maple Leafs are in dire straits, and so we should uh, bring these um, friends of ours no, on to discuss here, you know, the... He, he, here's the truth, Robert. The dilemma. Here's the truth. Um, half the country is clapping with glee that the Maple Leafs are in this mode. The other half is in pure panic. So everybody's involved. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the reality is, is that if you, if you like the Leafs, you're concerned. And if you hate the Leafs, you're popping champagne. So, I mean, it's a good topic to talk about. Well, well first, first what, of all, I'd like well, to can I introduce you first before okay, you start talking Z? Uh, that's Mike Zeisberger, who won't shut up, from NHL.com. Yep. And uh, Terry Koshan of uh, Post Media is uh, being very polite in the corner there. I don't know how long that'll last. Oh, now, um, Z, you had something to say, <laughs> so now say it. Now that I've I just you. wanted to tell Terry that only in Bob's world can you be referred to as a friend, and then he apologizes to the audience for having us on. That's so. right. Well... <laughs> And I'll, it is and what I'll, it is. <laughs> I, tell, I tell you what, there's a lot of people out there that are, are, are blaming Terry for this downfall because he asked the best question on Friday night after the game. Well, that's just one loss since then, John. So, you know, <laughs> Wilkes-Barre. Let's come back to that after tonight. Yeah. Yeah. To the Wilkes-Barre Penguins. All right. Let's now I, 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 I have, I, I'm not the least bit chagrined at taking shots at the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's, it's one of my great joys, but we're what six games in, seven games into the regular season here. I mean, this even for Maple Leaf fans, this is a little early to panic, wouldn't you guys say, Terry? My thing is, it's early, so this is what we hear. Um, well, a lot of teams are four and oh, five and a lot, but several teams are they got off to great starts. It's, it's early, it's invariable. I, I just, I just find that, uh, it, it just doesn't make sense to me that excuse, and and uh, you know. Yeah, there's their best player was on the shelf to start and everything else, but um, they have many other good players allegedly that are supposed to be getting through this early. It's early. The fact that they're saying it's early after six games is probably all you need to know right now. Is the panic button? You hit the panic button? No, not necessarily. But the glass case is never put back on the panic button here in Toronto. We know that. And oh, no. thought, Bob, you know what? All the talk through camp. We we're angry. We we're angry all summer. We were angry at the end. It's got to spill over it. It hasn't. I don't, I don't see anger in this group right now at the way they're playing, which whether it's early or not, should be a little red flag halfway up your mast, if you will. Well, look, at I don't disagree with the assessment that you've made here or the, or the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I have questioned the decision-making of, of, with this management group since day one. This decision to spend all this money on four forwards and ignore 
literally the rest of the team. We'll find a goaltender. We'll find some defensemen. We'll fill in some holes here. We'll do this. We'll do that. But steadfastly sticking with this notion that we've got to spend $40 million or whatever the hell it is, maybe more than that, on these four guys. I was prepared for a brief period of time, like I think all of us were, to say, okay, this is kind of a different way to do it. Let's see. Maybe this will work. Because sure as shit, nothing else has worked Mm -hmm. over the past 50 years. But we are now, Z, past the observation point. And the results have been ostensibly identical to the last 50 years. Where's the level of optimism with this approach? Well, and I think, Bob, you know, you started off this segment by saying, yeah, it's still early, but is it? Is this not just a continuation of the same thing that we've seen? Um, Is this not a continuation of what we saw against the Montreal Canadiens? I mean, uh, you go back to that series now, okay? Mitch, starting the playoffs last year, Mitch and going into this season, Mitch Marner still hasn't scored a goal. Austin Matthews, and I understand that he was out of the lineup, but he's only scored one goal in that period going back to the playoffs. And I want to put something into perspective. And I heard, you know, I've got a lot of respect for Mike Sullivan, the coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Terry brought up the point that, you know, yeah, they didn't have their best player um, in terms of Matthews uh, for the first few games. And listen, that was made a big deal of in Toronto, like everything is. But after the game on Saturday night, when the Wilkes-Barre Penguins beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 7-1, to a lineup that did not have Sidney Crosby, Jenny Malkin, Latang, Rust, and Jeff Carter, okay, um, which is a lot worse than missing one guy in your lineup. Mike Sullivan came out, up, uh, out after the game and said, look, we don't have any excuses. We built a culture where there's no excuses, okay? We built kind of a level that we have expectation with this franchise that we have to meet. So if we don't have guys in the lineup, it's not like, well, we don't have them. It's like, okay, here's an opportunity for other guys. So it's really, when you listen to the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, you know, when they have, when they have certain issues or, or roadblocks, and then you hear Mike Sullivan talk about there's no excuses. Well, isn't that kind of a yin and yang here, guys? And I think it shows you the difference, not only in the on-ice product, but the difference in cultures um, between a winning organization like Pittsburgh and what's going on in Toronto. Well, losing organization, to be blunt. And I'm not arguing with you, but, but let me give you a hypothetical. If the Maple Leafs were 6-0, and would people in the know, I don't mean the idiot fans, uh, be dancing in the streets? No, you know what we, they'd be talking about? They'd be t- saying, well, it doesn't matter till you get to the playoffs. Wait, this wait, is a team that can't, can't win a round in the playoffs. Hold on, Bob. They got to get to the playoffs. I see all that, John. I'm just saying that this, this propensity for negativity, this cloud that hangs over the Toronto Maple Leafs, it is legitimate. It is, it is honest. It's sincere. It's accurate. But the only thing I'm suggesting is this level of panic and concern after six games is well what the hell it, it'll be there in some form whether they were six and over two three and one yeah you see the, the one thing i saw and and it, it, it went back to friday night and, it, and I'm, I'm not saying it because he's on the call but but when terry asked about nick ritchie and uh, sheldon keith was exasperated enough to say why aren't you asking about mitch marner and austin matthews that is the sign to me of a coach who's at the end of his rope that he's now, he's not going to take and buffer anything from his players. And that's not a good sign for a good organization. This goes back to what what Mike was talking about with Mike Sullivan. You know, you, that's what a coach has to take that stuff. Mm -hmm. A coach has to be able to, you know, manage the media. He has to. Uh, and I, what I saw when Terry asked the question on Friday was someone who said, I've had enough. I've had enough, and I'm going to start pointing fingers at my own guys. And I don't, that's not a good sign at any level when a coach does that. And that, 
that really concerned me as someone who observes the Toronto Maple Leafs, not a fan, but observes them and says, there's something wrong there. What do you think, Terry? Well, there, there is. And whether we do, we agree, John, and to what degree Sheldon Keefe should be doing that publicly. Um, if you are at the end of the rope and perhaps I'm saying enough behind closed doors, is this the, the route you now take because it's the only one you think you have left? And again, if that's the case, that's not good either. Right. So we're talking, we're talking about, I'm going to leave Matthews out of this equation. After two games back, I'm not quite sure why Keith lumped him in the other night because I thought that was a bit unfair. Marner's now played six games, hasn't been on the ice for, for a goal by the Maple Leafs at even or five on five. He's making, you know, we know what he's making. And that's, let's, I'm not going to extrapolate that into Canadian dollars because it's even more obscene. Um, so I, I, you know what? it's on the player now to respond accordingly to that by the way you play. And yeah, it's not, it's not a good sign, a quote unquote this early that that is happening, but it is. And Bob, you're going back to the point about, well, if they were six and oh, you know, what would the, uh, the, the, the take, you know, what, what would the opinion be or whatever, wait till the playoffs. We can use that to a degree now, but I, I just think that for myself, everything that was being said through the summer Everything that was being said through camp, the signs that we, we saw through camp led us to believe that things might be a little different now. And if you had said to me two weeks ago, they are going to be 6-0, and you would have believed it, given on what they were saying and doing. Well, that hasn't happened. And I, I just, it, it's, um, it is confounding. I, I just, you know, maybe, maybe the belief we put in this team, whatever we did, uh, was just wrong from the hop. And like well, say, well, you put 40 million, 41 and change into four players, this is what you're going to get especially when those $41 million players aren't playing to their uh, alleged uh, potential. Okay, so if somebody explained to me the level of optimism that Maple Leaf fans should have, and I understand what, what, what the organization was saying, mm-hmm. but cite the case of what they did during this offseason that, that we believed was positive and would initiate or motivate any kind of change in result. I can't do that because there isn't one. There wasn't one. It was what they said, and you're right. The, the, you know what? People talk about who they brought in, where they're being put. The best damn player in all of that equation is the guy that's filling that up for the Edmonton Oilers right now. That's yeah. You know, so what you're saying, Bob, I you know there was a lot of, uh, I'm crossing my fingers here, a lot of fingers. There had to be a lot of finger crossing coming from within. They're not going to say that publicly because we have this returning core and everything else. It's all mad and everything else. But you're right. There was nothing that they did in the because because that was the corner they put themselves in. Oh, Yeah. They had no choice. They had no room to do anything. And they, and they wound up doing nothing. And, yeah. and yet the level of optimism is supposed to change. Yeah. I there, mean, were 12, there were 12 or just on the goaltending. There were 12 or 14 that were out there. You could have put them all on a dartboard, thrown a dart, say, okay, well, my dart's going to hit X. The Leafs came up with Peter Mrazek. You have no idea how he's going to perform. None. To get anywhere. None. And look what happens. The guy who has had injuries in his career gets one in his not even in, you know, midway through his first start as a Leaf, more or less. We talk, we still talk about how early it is, but in big picture, let's look at a big picture. Is it really that early or are we just hearing the same tune all over again? Because let's remember, yes. guys, because of COVID, 12 yeah. months ago, okay, just over 12 months ago, was the, was the previous free agency period leading up, in, leading up to this past season. So it's only been a year. And they were bringing in Bogosian, and they were bringing in Joe Thornton. And it was the same trying to sell optimism, okay? It was all about, we're going to sell this to our fans. And look at, I mean, I still remember beginning of March when they went into Edmonton and swept the Oilers. Mm-hmm. And arguably, and I know Terry and I have talked about this, but for me, arguably the three best games that I've seen the Toronto Maple Leafs put back to back to back since the, the freaking Pat Quinn era, that's how far back I'm going. They played outstanding defense. They won three games with three different goalies. And so then you're sold, you know, then the optimism starts mushrooming a little bit. And then you get to the playoffs and it's the same thing all over again. And this, this offseason, they actually lost quality. Zach Hyman. Yes, they did. And, and to some extent, I, I, I mean, I know people don't put that much credence into it. Um, but I thought, like, for a veteran that he, he played his role, Bogosian, obviously not nearly as much as Hyman. Um, but, I mean... But he wasn't staying. He wasn't staying a second year. No, you know, no. His family didn't move. His family didn't come up during COVID. He was, he was trying to find a way 
to get back to Tampa as quickly as possible. But John, how the point being, how can you say you've added? Okay, yeah, Nick Ritchie is there, and and look, Michael Bunting has been one of the one of the few guys on this team that I look at through the season and say, wow, this guy's actually you know better than I thought, and, and shift to shift, he's he's busting his butt out there. But I mean, I just don't see how this is a lot different from what we've seen the past couple of years with, with this core group. I don't see, and, and Terry brought it up, and it's a thing probably that disturbed me more on Saturday night than anything, is other than a, a third period um, fight that Wayne Simmons created, mm-hmm. I don't see any emotion out of this hockey club. No, well, You know, I see it, John, it's post-game. You just don't, I'm not saying you need players to come in and start throwing stools around and everything, but you'd like to see a little more bitterness with the way that they're playing. Like you can stay, they can stay patient with it all they want. The end result is still the same. I I, I don't know. I I just, you'd like to see a little more of that. Like when they're playing, yes, of course, but post game two and everything, I think Muzzin, Muzzin's a guy who, uh, who brings that, I think. And I, I you know, I, I think if Sheldon Keefe could get people to fall into, into line behind him properly or whatever, that would really do a lot of wonders for this team. But you can't do that with players who have never been brought up that way and, and have not learned that way because they're not going to learn it now. This is what you have. Terry, I think that's an offshoot too. When you talk about Muzzin, he came from a different culture. You're right. He won a, he yeah. won a, he won a cup in Los Angeles. Yeah. With with guys like Drew Doughty, with guys like Dustin Brown, with guys like Jonathan Quick. Uh, Dare you, met, you, bet, you better emotional. mention you better mention Daryl Sutter. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I think emotion, I think Daryl Sutter right off the hop. But those three players that I mentioned play with an edge. Okay, uh, Jonathan Quick may play with as much edge that I've ever seen a goalie going back to like maybe Ron Hextall. Um, but, but they do play with emotion and they play with an edge and he comes from that culture. And those are things that you don't, we, we just haven't seen in this Leafs team for a while. One of the things I was going to leave this till later, but uh, we may spend the rest of our time talking about this. One of the things that is, has, that I've been alerted to is that in this very brief period of extreme panic, um, no one has escaped in management, has escaped blame. There are those who are steadfastly convinced that Dubas is the problem and needs to go. That Sheldon Keefe is the problem because he can't motivate a team that should be better. And then there's the Shanahan haters who say that as the 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 uber boss he should have taken some action and essentially you've now had three years with this group that have produced nothing and have really changed nothing they have they've been committed to this approach and it has failed so far and it clearly continues to fail is there any are are there is there one of those three that if 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 you changed them it would be the right move or is it more likely that all three wind up going at the same time? Either. Well, of the, the, the president has been at this long enough to have got it right by now. And that hasn't happened. And it looked like he did mm-hmm. when he hired Mike Babcock and when he hired Lou Lamorello. Like well, if you, if you had, if you had said, if anybody Bob had said the day that Mike Babcock signed on, I believe it was May, May 20th, 2015, and said four and a half years into this eight-year contract, we're going to be talking. We're going to be at a, a firing presser with this guy. People would have said to you, "Okay, bundle him up and get him out of here." You know, we're no, we can never speak publicly again. This, no one saw these things coming. But you had, you had, you had that. You had that process. I know that Blue then came in, but it was just you, you seemed to be getting it right there. The step, the the blocks were there. And then for whatever reason, we had to switch to go to something else. You know, I, I just, that would be, if I'm a Leaf fan, one of the more frustrating things is that they're, they're, the intent from the, from the start or, you know, with Brandon coming in and changing everything and, and getting people out and, and, and overturning the roster, 
hiring a coach who admittedly hadn't won a lot more in Detroit after his Stanley Cup, but then hiring a GM whose track record is not even explained to anybody. Um, those building blocks seem to be there. The foundation seemed to be there. And it's a little hard to believe that now here we are talking about this, you know, not many that years later. And, and, and we don't know where this organization goes. But to me, it starts at the top. And the top is Brendan Shanahan. He hasn't won a playoff series in his time here. And it's not like he got hired three years ago and had to scramble and turn the, 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 the he's had the time to do this. To me, the big fork in the road was when the decision was made. You had Mark Hunter, who hockey people say is one of the best hockey people, grassroots evaluators of talent um, in the game. We see what he's done down in London. I know it's junior. Um, but still, they're, they're, they're very, very smart, man. We have Lou, uh, as Terry pointed out, we don't have to go over Lou's resume. Uh, you know, people might not like his dress codes or what some of those things. Um, his record stands on it own, his own. And Kyle Dubas, okay? And for whatever reason, um, you know, Brendan Shanahan went uh, with Kyle Dubas. Uh, Let me know. stop you there, Z. Let me stop okay. you there. Because okay. that... That statement accurately depicts what happened. The question that you have to ask at that point is why? Why? What was it about Dubas that so enamored Shanahan? No, 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 Bob. That's not the, that's not the right question. Well, the, the question is, what was it about Lou that scared Brendan? Well, that was the, that was part two of the question. Yeah, that's, that's the question because we, we all know, and the four of us have been around him long enough that uh, there's only one way with Lou. It's Lou's way. way. It's Lou's way. And 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 that was I, I suspect that in the in the if if Lou was to be extended, then that was going to be the way that Brendan Brendan would not have near as much control if he had any control at all when Lou was there. So that to me was the key question. Is and this is not as much about Kyle as it is about how the direction of this organization because Lou had it in a certain manner, period. The thing with that, though, John, is Shanahan knew what he was going to do when he hired him. That, 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 that shouldn't have been a, new, uh, a sudden mm -hmm. revelation to, yeah. to Shanahan three years down the road. He knew. No, you're right. Exactly yeah. the Brendan, kind of guy Brendan, he was hiring. Brendan was the guy that went after Lou in the first place and talked him into coming. There was no, there were no surprises about Lou Lamorello when he was hired initially here. Nothing, mm -hmm. nothing that happened that day or three or four years, how many years, nothing Brendan woke up, should have broke up any day and said, I did not see this coming. And if I continue, I won't see these things coming. Like, like you said, John, this guy, we, you know who he is. He's set in his ways. Yep. Uh, having said that, he has shown at his age, if he's still doing what he's doing, and doing a good job the New York Islanders, then he's a man that has adapted as well. Nothing, though, was a surprise at this guy. So, and for the record, I like his dress code. I, I think it's fine. <laughs> I couldn't care less because I'm not a part of the, the organization. I know, and Bob, I think you should I start wearing a tie on the air here. I, yeah. I'm a little disappointed with the hoodie. You've gone the hoodie way. What is that? Well, what are you wearing? I'm wearing a nice uh, sponsored item. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> sponsored item. <laughs> All right, so if one of these three has to go, and I'm, I'm now at the point where um, I think it's imminent. I think that one of these three is going to get fired before this year is out, maybe within the next eight weeks. Well, which that's of a the harsh? That's which harsh. of these? I, I don't think that will happen, but the obvious one is always the most obvious one. Because if, if you say you, uh, the well, then you're talking Brock, Keith because because right. he's the lowest on the pecking. Right, on, right. On the Bob, say, say, of course, yes, I am. Of course, I'm referring to Keith. But you know, say the uh, the um, the uh, the board decides to uh, you know blow it up real good and, and start at the top instead. Then then it's just a matter of time before you know. Yeah. Well, then, it, then it's dominoes, right? Right. Yes. So I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen. I. I as much pressure and heat as there would be, I, mean, I could be completely wrong in this. And I am, please come back to it. But the relationship that Dubas and Keefe have, the personal yeah. one is different, very different than a lot of GMs and coaches in the league. I would say it's different than all other 31 GM uh, uh, coach relationships. 
And I think that in, in the end, that'll stand for something. Whether the two of them go down together, I don't know about that. But I don't, I don't see that happening this season. Having said that, when you have the time off that this team is going to have, like everyone else allegedly, with the Olympic break, to really sit back and look at things, perhaps then if it's not turned around. But I, I, just, I just don't, you know, I just don't see a key firing to be quote unquote imminent. So, so Terry brought Terry brought up the the magic word in Toronto because this is this is the one town where when we talk about hockey, we always talk about people off the ice and we talk about the board. You know, and for the longest time, it was when it was the Ontario Teachers Pension Fund. It was that you know the the the, the guys behind the curtain. So the one thing the board has to be concerned about is like whether it's COVID or not, they're not selling out anymore. Apathy. Right. Oh, that that's the word that I'm looking for, Mike. That yeah. is the word. I'm, how many people care anymore? And that's when the board will get involved here. And, and the other thing, and you, you can jump in after this. Here's the other thing with the soap opera that's going up at three thirty three oh. Bloor at Rogers. Yeah. What, what's the board doing and what can the board do as yeah, long as two of the three members of the board are, are in, are, are having family issues. That's another part of this thing that we, I don't even know that we can talk about, but it, it, it's going to become a distraction at some point. So, but I, I agree with you. The, the word apathy, Mike, is the key word for me, don't you think? Yeah, well, uh, a couple things real quick. First, yes, um, you can have, you know, you can have a fan base that's angry, that's venomous. And we've seen that after the way the Leafs have kind of, you know, just gone out, out of the postseason with a whimper the last couple of years. But the last thing you want, okay, anger comes because people care. Apathy is something where people finally don't give a you-know-what anymore, and that is distressful because, you know what? All of a sudden, you're not selling as many seats. You're not getting as many eyeballs watching on TV. You're not selling as many souvenirs, and that's what, what, what bites, you know, that's when people upstairs um, start, you know, in the boardrooms and stuff, that's when they start noticing. Um, just real quick on the on Bob, when you said like which one of the three goes, I mean, other than they if they let Sheldon go, which I, I think would be premature, but I don't think that with the other two, if you let them go, um, it's gonna like if you let Shani go, is a president gonna come in, a new president gonna come in and say, yeah, okay, I'll just I'll just inherit these uh, the, the general manager and coach, and we'll work with that. It we understand that no. way. And if the GM goes, how many times have we seen a new GM come in and just say, "Well, you know what? That's not my coach." Um, yeah. So I, I just other other than well, that's the dilemma though, Z, that yeah. you face here. Well, two of the three guys three can't them. help the power play. Right. <laughs> two of the three guys can't help the power play. Well, no. the. the the problem is that nobody is confident with any of them. There is no constant here in, in, in having comfort that Sheldon keeps the right coach, but the GM and the president have to go or that the G, the president is, is, is okay. But the GM and the coach have to go. There's none of that going on right now. It, 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 it's all three are getting um, sacrificed potentially here by the audience and by the opinion makers, and I'm not sure anybody knows which of those ch three should be changed to improve the result. But, but, I, this, but this goes back to, again, this goes back to the, the famous Toronto syndrome. We tend to blame people off the ice, but like... Well, ultimately, the on-ice product has got to change. I think well, we but, all but agree to that. Point the finger at Mitch Marner. Point the finger at John Tavares. You know, point the finger at these guys who haven't delivered. You know, William Nylander was the only guy early on that was contributing. But, you know, I mean, that it, it's like point the fingers at the guys wearing the sweaters. Look, I, yeah, okay, that's great. But you could have done that the last three years. I mean, I know Matthews has had great stats, one nothing. Marner, for a long period of time, had great stats, one nothing. Uh, you, you can go down the list. The player, these are the wrong, this was the wrong approach. It has now been proven spending 40 million on, on three, four guys was wrong. And who did that? Well, you'll say Dubas because he was the general manager who pulled the trigger on it. But did he do any of that without consulting with Shanahan? 
And did Shanahan um, hire Dubas over Lou because he could have better control? We, I think we all believe that's exactly what happened here. So again, you can blame the players. We all understand the players have to change. This management group doesn't seem to be willing to do that. Well, like you said off the top, Bob, the unique approach and paying four players that many dollars has not worked. It's failed. Yeah. And I think we can definitively say that now. It's not, it's not theoretical. It's factual. No, it's uh, because again, it, it's the, it's the, uh, the bleeding down to the rest of your roster. So now you're it, patchwork here, patchwork there. Hope like hell this works. Hope like hell that works. And it hasn't, it hasn't, you know, we, we talked, Zayas, you were talking earlier where, you know, like Tampa Bay came up at some point, but, or maybe, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, the reference to Los Angeles Kings, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, won back-to-back cups with uh, a goaltender who's regarded by many as the best in the game and a defenseman who's regarded by many as best in the game. I'm not even talking about the forwards here because we know mm-hmm. what the forwards are all about. The Leafs have neither of those things. Why do they have neither of those things on the blue line? Because you put all the money, all this money into four players, excuse me. And not only, again, it's if you want to concentrate on four players on your roster and pay them money that you think they're going to be worth okay but then comparatively when you start looking at what other star players are paid in the national hockey yeah. league on contracts that have been signed since and the best example to me is Braden point down in tampa that that's where the ridiculousness of a lot of this comes through and you're going to question Dubas and say okay well i signed marner to this matthews to that i'm not going to conclude any later because i think it's a hell of a contract for the team because he's a good player and, and and living up to it Tavares to this knowing that Tavares could have had more money those those were seen were mistakes you're paying players on a hope you haven't paid them for anything that they've done and that to me is the mistake we're seeing now and it keeps playing out because then you have to sign nick ritchie who was not qualified by boston you have to sign david camp to send your third line who was not qualified by the chicago blackhawks that's what you're left with yeah fingers and hope like crazy it works and it hasn't bob terry and i have talked about this on numerous occasions i'm sure do you think if Lou Lamorello had still been the GM, and I'm not saying that he should have been, okay? They decided to go to a path, and everybody said, you know, including me, let's see what happens, okay? You got to be open-minded about these things. Do you think that that whole Nylander holdout thing or the Marner contract thing that dragged on and on and on, do any of these soap opera things happen if Lou Lamorello None. was the general manager? We all know the answer to that. It's not just me. None of them happen. Lou doesn't sign Nylander. He lets Nylander rot mm-hmm. if necessary. And I don't disagree with Terry. It's a contract that yeah. is at least decent. Mm-hmm. But the others, not a chance in hell. And But we can't undo, you know, you, you, you can't wind the clock back now. Mm-hmm. All right, the issue is where you go from here. And we got to take a break because we've been a little long here. And there's something that's come up that is uh, weirdly interesting. We'll see whether anybody agrees. We'll uh, rejoin um, this group uh, after these messages. It's Bob McCowan. It's John Shannon with uh, Terry Koshan and uh, Mike Zeisberger. So I don't spend a lot of time... um, reading analysis of the Toronto Maple Leafs, especially six games into the year. But I saw something that is like, oh my God, shocking. If you are going to, if the first to go is the coach, and it almost always is, and if he's not the first, he'll be the second. Um, John Tortorella. Oh. Well, I know. I know, but <laughs> this is Toronto, and that's the kind of name that comes up. Oh. <laughs> well, put it this way, put it this way, Bob. If 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 it happens where they do go that a route of replacing the coach, then it's got to be a, a name like that or similar. We know that now. I, I don't, don't I disagree. Don't know, I, I pardon. I don't disagree. Yeah. I, I, Tortorella himself. Wow, that would be, uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting. Do you, 
would he change? Would he have to change his approach on, on how things happen with players on a daily basis? I, I would suppose, but uh, um, you're getting into a point now where uh, you know, try anything and see if it works. If that was the case, and that's not a knock on Tortorella, it just, but that would be um, there would be differences for sure in this town with the Leafs. No problem. No, no, well, no question. Well, obviously, giant, go ahead. Go ahead. It would Steve. be a giant mushroom cloud. It really would. And I'm not saying about the on-ice product, okay? But in this case, you cannot separate church and state, which in which means what it means to do the X's and O's of a team and having to deal with everything else that goes with being the coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, sooner or later, it would just blow up. Um, you know, one name that I haven't heard, and maybe I, I've missed it out there, is uh, is Claude Julian, um, because he's been the coach of the Montreal Canadiens before. He knows how to handle the fishbowl a little better. I'm not saying that Torts, you know, his tough love wouldn't be something that this team needs, but I just think with all the other stuff and and the media and the publicity and the and the outside of coaching demands that being in Toronto go that just goes hand in hand I, I just couldn't see it working I really couldn't well <laughs> I don't know I don't know what works because I'd love to see it tried though say again <laughs> sorry to interrupt you Bob I, the entertainment value I would I would be oh, very curious to see would it. be a million on the chart yeah it would be a million <laughs> Um, you know, on the cover of the Toronto Sun every freaking day. And listen, guys, the, the, the bottom line is that we know that John, who is working for ESPN right now, is doing it as a placeholder in order to, to get a job as a coach again in the NHL. Uh, I well, what do you think of the notion of torts? being here shannon you well, have, for, first of all uh, you laughed at first but i did i do I, I still do because i think it's premature that sheldon keeps getting the i agree getting the axe yeah, I, agree. Uh, I i think we're you know we're we're we're, we're putting the guy uh, we're putting a noose around his neck and i don't think that that's fair at this point you're right it's not but yeah. but it's a real the reality is as the heat gets hotter yeah but the, we have but acknowledged see, see, the guy at the bottom of the po totem pole goes first well and i am i i'm not so sure about that bob at this point i because i think the heat in the end has to come from above brendan it has to come from above brendan because i think i, I think that as terry talked about the relationship that kyle has with sheldon is strong all the way back to sue saint marie i think that brendan's loyalty and almost to the point of, hey, Kyle, this is your team. I'm going to let you do what you need to do. I, I think the pressure is going to have to come from Larry Tannenbaum, the people at Bell, the people at Rogers, Dale Lastman, all these guys. I think that's where the pressure's got to come from when they see that their revenues aren't what they are and the expectation that this team may not make the postseason. That's the realization. And it, it's, it's different here than anywhere else because of the place that the, the franchise has in the community and the pressure of being on the board of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. I have seen it firsthand. All of you have too. And that to me is where this, that's what this, that's where that food chain is going to go. That, that effect will come from above Brendan Shanahan. And I don't think that they, I don't think the board, We'll sit there and say you have to fire the coach because that's not how they work. Mm -hmm. I think they work differently than that. And going back to what Zayat was saying about the apathy too, I will go happily go on the list of being surprised that the, the place wasn't sold out from day yep. one. I, I know that there is uh, the concern about COVID. Great, everybody in that building is vaccinated. That's the show proof of all that. I, I really thought that it would be sold out from from mm -hmm. from the word go. It hasn't been, and we are talking about, you know, several hundred or a thousand seats for the first handful of games. I'm curious to see what happens the rest of this trip, Carolina, Chicago, and then the Leafs come home. They play the Red Wings on Saturday. It was, I think kicks off five in a row at Scotiabank Arena. That, that could be, you know, the results on the ice, of course, but I think that that homestand is going to tell us a lot of things about this club, both on and off days. Well, hey, listen, Terry, you know, they could easily lose in Carolina. Right. But they better beat Chicago. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. A team that hasn't what they haven't they haven't had a lead yet. 
Correct. Six games, I believe. I think they've scored. I think they've scored. Uh, they had uh, three goals until Sunday night, and now they have six. Yeah. Well, you know what? It comes back to everything else. They lose the next two games. You have two. You have two days off before your next one. Teams have used little smaller time for a turnaround behind the bench or whatever uh, in the past. And uh, I'm not saying that that would necessarily happen, but the optics would not look good at all. They really wouldn't. Look, I got no, I got nothing against Keith. I I, I, I like the guy. I think he's a ni- yeah. nice enough guy. Yeah. And um um. But let, let me, Bob. Let me ask you this question. And and you and I have talked about this before in other contexts. We saw Bruce Boudreau, uh, on the HBO show, walk into his dressing room and swear twenty seven times in thirty seconds. Yeah. And it it reflected on him, and it reflected on him. And I think it was part of his downfall, in Washington. In the end. That, that this was this was part of this was part of what was what Boudreaux was all about. Now he got lots of other jobs. I, I, I wonder how much the prime documentary, I wonder how much influence it has had and will have on Sheldon's effectiveness. Because I, you know that you know the famous speech uh, you know in the intermission of game six, I don't know how it helps. Uh, and I don't see it may help in the room privately, but I don't know how it helps when you see it publicly. Do you? you? Know one of my, one of my, a good friend of mine who's been involved in the GTHL since day one with his kid, I think the kid's in grade 12 now. My kid's never played hockey, so I don't have that experience. Just said to me, he texted me after watching and said he just came across as another GTHL loudmouth. And keep in mind, this is a series that was heavily edited by the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it was funny because even with the Bruce Brodero background and everything, and that I think was jarring to a lot of us to see that really for the first time, it didn't strike me the same way with Keith as I watched it. But when I got that text from that friend of mine, it, I, I did have a, a second thought about it. And it, it's, it was a good point to make. I just, so if that's what we're seeing in something that was heavily edited from, from by the Maple Leafs, what is the day to day then with that? What didn't that's, we see? What's that size? What, what, didn't did, what didn't we see? But I mean, what didn't we see? But if that's what we're seeing, mm-hmm. it's not different with, with stuff we're not seeing. Yeah, we can only imagine what was on the editing room floor. The fact of the matter is, guess what? It didn't work. Like John said, that speech, the game six intermission, I, I'm watching that knowing, knowing what the result is, which is always a little bit weird. But you, So you're watching, you know what the result is. And I'm thinking, what can you possibly say now going into game seven if you lose tonight? Which I know you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so let me ask you this, did, uh, Mike, did they make a mistake allowing, allowing to be followed for a year? I mean, 2020 hindsight, but. Would Lewitt let them? No. No, no chance. And the Maple Leafs, I can tell you this factually, the Maple Leafs said no the first time they were asked. Mm-hmm. And well, listen, and, and they thought, but they did, they did think from management on down, and I guess I'm Shani's the top of that. They thought last year was going to be their year. Mm-hmm. They really did. They really thought it was going to be their year. A lot of what I think we might have were probably supposed to see early on in a documentary was them setting that up for themselves. Here's the path we're going to take. And then, of course, the end is, is the same as it has been every other year. But they really, so this is just going back to allowing it to happen and agreeing it to happen, eventually agreeing it to happen. They really thought that they were something last year and we're going to go far. Well, there's no doubt Dubas was, was, not shy about being confident of what he had put together right. and that still he had, uh, still isn't and and believed he had reinvented the wheel actually reinvented the wheel and shanahan clearly bought into that and the evidence is that he elevated this guy to the position of power when he had a guy of great experience and history and success and let him go but but in defense of Kyle, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but in defense of Kyle, here's a guy that we we've always wanted people to take chances for a team to win, not not just the Maple Leafs, but any team. And he remember both of you were at the press conference after the trade deadline, or even the one before the trade deadline, where he says we're all in, we're going to make changes. Mm-hmm. What did they, they they got rid of? How many first round picks or how many draft picks and how many players did they try to bring in to make this team better? And yeah. it failed. Mm-hmm. It failed. That's that's part of the issue in all of this. It's not for lack of trying. It's for lack of what judgment or is it just pure luck? What is it? Well, the, the lack of, as you're saying, the lack of making what turned out to be the right decisions. Well, I mean, when it comes to the coach, um, 
I do think it's premature with Sheldon. Um, I agree, Zaz. I, I hate I hate to bring this up, but his his regular season record is 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 very very impressive. Well, let me play devil's advocate. So what? Okay. And he only played sixteen so last year. Coach before him couldn't it, win in the playoffs either because of a flawed because of a flawed roster building. And here's here's the other thing. Really yes, and that's on Dubas and Shanahan to some yes, extent. Not the coach. I don't disagree with that, but the coach is the guy who's going to get the axe first. Yeah. You, you chop down. You don't chop I just up. Don't think, I, don't, I just don't think, first, I don't think it's time yet. But going back to, to Shanahan and Dubas, and I, I actually do like Kyle. I mean, he rolled the dice, but it's, it, it, it's not working. It hasn't worked. Is he prepared to try and undo it? No. That was the summer. No. That was the no. summer. He was supposed to undo it in the summer. Bob, here's the thing that kind of sent alarm bells to me to a different level. It was during the summer, during kind of his post-mortem, and Kyle was very, very candid with this, but he said, we have to find a way at crunch time to step on the gas pedal. And what he means by that is a game seven or game five against Columbus. And I'm listening to him say that, saying, like, you've gone through this four years in a row, and this is what you're saying? I mean, there were two game sevens against Boston. There was a game five against Columbus, a game seven against Montreal with the same nucleus of players. And the same and result. Other, well, the first year against Boston, they had a lead going into the third period. So they actually had some spunk there. But I think because Terry's been to all these games too, the second game seven against Boston, the game five against Columbus, and the game seven against Montreal, you're just sitting there. Look, if you lose, you lose. If you take chances and it blows up, that's fine. There was no zeal. There was no energy. It's a repeating pattern. Mm -hmm. And to come out at now and say, well, in these situations, we, we haven't stepped on the gas pedal. Well, no bleep. I mean, it's been the same thing for three or four years. So that's, you know, you can come back and in, in, in public and say that now, but it's obvious, um, you know, not only to media people, but to the fans, they've seen it and they question it. And it just keeps, the same thing keeps happening over and over again. And we're saying the same things about the loss in Pittsburgh on Saturday that we have in those game sevens. Where was the emotion? Where was the energy? Well, Terry, if, if, Terry if to not, you, last last point. If, if it's not there against the Scranton Wilkesbury Penguins on a Saturday night in October, it's not going to be there in the playoffs. When they come out and say it's early, that implies that all will be well in the end. What were they saying when they lost to Montreal? It's late? <laughs> well, uh, guys, this conversation obviously could go on for hours, days, and um, and is really? going on all over the place. Um, amongst Leaf fans. Um, unfortunately, our time is uh, somewhat limited. Um, I don't know that we've accomplished anything, but um, maybe we all feel a little bit better getting some of this crap off our chest. Good seats still available. Yes. Uh, Many. Terry, Z, really good of you to join us. We thank you very much, and we uh, look forward to having an opportunity to chat again and maybe on the same topic in the not-too-distant future. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Uh, we'll take the break, come back, and wrap it after these messages. Uh, so we're back, and our thanks to Koshan and, uh, and Zeisberger for uh, joining us. Yeah, this is, a, this is a hard part of when you have discussions like this, because, you know, you and I both know Brendan and Kyle and Sheldon. I don't know uh, Sheldon well at well, all. Well, but, but, but uh, you know, nonetheless. and... And to have to have the discussion of should they be fired or let go or, you know, should they be hu humiliated publicly? Um, it, it, it's a difficult one because you and I have both been humiliated publicly and it's not fun. No, uh, but, you know, it's the when you live in the fishbowl, uh, it's the price you pay for the big salaries you make. And for wanting to be part of one of the passionate fan bases in North American sports, it's, but it's still, it, it, there's a human as aspect to it. So when we talk about, should this guy be fired? Should that guy be fired? It's uncomfortable. I must admit it's uncomfortable. Well, 
look at, I find it uncomfortable too, but I don't feel like I, 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 I was, or I am saying any of them should be fired. I'm saying um, one or all of them are going to be. And, and it's only a question of time because this team isn't good enough. This team was, was not constructed in the right way. And I think that is obvious and evident or should be to all concerned. And the thing that concerns me the most is it doesn't seem to be evident, at least not publicly mm -hmm. to this organization. I don't have, there, is there, there's no evidence that they tried to change the core of this team, which means the big four players. And well, I we think know that, others. that I mean, has to be. Kyle, Kyle came on with this and said he wasn't doing that. Yeah. And I, and I, I think I, I, I admire his loyalty and his commitment. I honestly do. But I never believed in this approach. Yeah. I don't now. And after four years of this, I think it's time to say, okay, that didn't work. Yeah, and the other thing that uh, exacerbates it is that Zach Hyman left town and his team is 5-0. and and they are playing really good hockey in it. Well, and I, I would, I, you know, look at, be careful of that because it isn't because of Zach Hyman. Um, there, th that, that was a, Zach Hyman has been a valuable contributor to that. And, and maybe, maybe they were, they would be three and two or four and one instead of five and oh, of Zach Hyman. Well, he has I, more I, goals than Marner, more goals than Matthews, more goals than Tavares. I'm not arguing with you. Hmm? I am not arguing with you at all, but the Maple Leafs put them in a put themselves in a position where they couldn't keep Zach on. They could not. And unless they were going to get rid of the big four or one of them. And I don't know, I don't know what the, what the right answer would have been. Um, but it ain't good for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. It is good for the Edmonton Oilers right now. And we will see how things play out um, over the rest of the year. We got to get out of here. Time is our enemy as it often is. Um, some more interesting conversation tomorrow. We're not going to tease you with what we're going to do, but um, you might want to pay attention, especially if you enjoyed any of this. Uh, for John Shannon, Bob McCowan, goodbye, everybody.